Blog Talk Radio. Um, 
And I actually think Rashidi Ellis is in the best fight. Probably well on the card. I, I would. I haven't looked actually at that, but I bet you um, it is. Well, I haven't looked since it opened up. <laughs> now that I think about it, but Rashidi Ellis is uh, opponent. That's probably the, that's the closest fight on paper uh, on the card as far as on the pay per view card. So we'll talk about that. There is a little hype warming up about potentially Rashidi Ellis uh, if he wins and Boots expected to win that they may fight next. Who knows? We do have some news about the IBF and uh, Errol Spence and the decision he would have to make. So there's a lot of stuff that we'll talk about, but of course, you know, we'll, we'll really preview that Javante Davis Hector Garcia fight. Um, and then there's some other fight news. We will actually follow up on that Javante Davis news story from, from a week ago. Um, just another example of why I didn't 100% jump the, we still don't know every last detail, but we do have, let's say more information now being that the person, you know, uh, that accused him of an assault has now come out and said that they were not telling the truth, basically. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about Eddie Hearn's plans for Anthony Joshua in 2023. It sounds like three fights. Um, some people say it's a smart move, and they've been saying he should do this for a while. Um, others say, what the hell are you doing? So you're just going to fight a random dude, uh, Dillian White, and then fight somebody big, Fury or Wilder. We're going to talk about it a little bit. And then there's just a, a variety of current fight news out there. We are starting to get more and more, um, I wouldn't even say rumors, news of fights, not 100% being announced. Some of them have been announced. Some of them are about to be announced. Um, we know that the zone and Showtime schedule should be uh, coming out here soon. Um, like I said last week and, and throughout the fall and winter so far, it just we, we just need some good news. We had such a strange way for the uh, year to end in those last few months. Don't get me wrong. We had some, some banger cards and whatnot. But, um, yeah, we just need some good news. Uh, and, and like I said, the Zone, ESPN, and Showtime really looking like they're going to drop healthy schedules and some quality, quality fights. So let's hope for that. Um, before we get into all this stuff, though, if this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope and Dope Radio. However, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope and Dope and download the show directly there. You can if you want to, or listen to the browser there as well. You can listen really almost everywhere to the Rope and Dope Radio, the platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. Tune in, uh, Player FM, Stitcher, Spricker, among many other places to find it. While you're at it, why don't you head on over uh, to Eastside Boxing, Phil Boxing, in the gruelingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you're happy, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99, and we got two different deals I want to tell you about. The first one has been ongoing. With the three months saving $160 uh, by enjoying HBO Max, Showtime, Stars, Epics, and Cinemax. If you go with the choice package or above, 
also going with the choice package or above and buying an exclusive direct TV streaming device will save you $50 over five months as well. That's direct TV stream. Um, uh, it's kind of funny. I, I got a couple messages saying that, uh, you know, the direct TV is going out of business uh, because, you know, they lost the, uh, the rights to the NFL package. Um, but, you know, DirecTV and DirecTV Stream are not the exact same things. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, we already know, you know, it's, it, it came from the, some people that uh, always message me about, you know, people going out of business and they have yet to go out of business. Anyway, um, let's start with that Ioka-Franco fight. Um, the opening round was competitive. Uh, I thought that Franco, <laughs> most of the rounds he was busier. When you look at the punch stats, you'll know what I mean. But, you know, he's working the head and body, and, and I thought, um, you know, he was throwing his jab pretty well, landed a few couple power shots in there, a few couple. <laughs> and uh, Ioka, you know, he landed some nice little combos, some short shots and whatnot. But I thought the first two rounds were Franco. Um, then rounds three and four, I gave to Ioki. Uh, it seemed like he started landing his jab or jab right hand, whether the right hand was landing to the head or, or body. And he had this little subtle movement pretty much throughout the fight. Whereas Franco had that steady jab, but the left hooks to the body, man, he, he was, uh, he was getting it in. So you had some accurate shots, not throwing as much, um, you know, the first couple of rounds and throughout this fight by Oki, but yeah, I had a two, two. Then I, I, I gave Franco three straight rounds, the fifth, sixth, and seventh, another fun round. There were several fun competitive rounds, a couple of swing rounds in there. Good action by both guys, but I just thought Franco landed the better shots. Like I said, back to that jab, right hand, uh, started throwing more hooks in combination as well. Um, and just overall, especially like in the seventh, uh, round he landed the more telling punches I thought whereas the rounds that Ioki won he was like I said that that accuracy I thought he was landing the, the more telling shots now the eighth round for me that was a swing round you know that's a question mark round I did think Ioki won the ninth round though huge right hand and some counter left hooks as well I also added that uh, the uppercut and the, the movement and the range that he was fighting at in some of the rounds, like the ninth round, you know, if there was a rematch, that's the rounds he would have liked to, uh, you know, fight mostly like. Then I thought Franco kind of got it back, man. Um, I gave him the 10th and the 12th, the 11th. I think you could give to him. It was another close round. I feel like Franco, I had the question marks in the box when I'm scoring it, but I did give Franco that one. Uh, whereas I didn't score the eighth round totally. I thought he stole it the last couple of maybe three, two or three really nice little combinations. He probably stole that one. Um, and in the tenth, he was just that effective aggressiveness, you know. He, he really was, was pouring it on. Um, the twelfth round was entertaining round, though. It's just the more active, the guy landing the harder combination punching. That was Franco in that one. So, to me, you know, seven five, seven four, one, maybe eight four. I think eight four would be max. I don't think you could give 
uh, Franco more than eight rounds. Uh, you know, in six five one would probably be minimum. I don't really see a draw in this one, um, but I do have two close close rounds. So if if I swung them to Ioka, you know, it, it might be enough for a draw. Uh, the scorecards did read um, well one fifteen one thirteen and then two one fourteen one fourteen. So. You know, I would like to see a rematch. I'm not sure if they'd go right back to that one, to be honest with you. But I thought it was fun fight, competitive fight. But I gave Franco – I thought Joshua won that fight. I mean, I don't think he got completely screwed. That's actually part of the uh, part of the uh, title. Did Franco get screwed? A little bit. You know, you are on the road. Um, boxing does suck sometimes when it comes to that, but – you know, we see plenty of different sports where the referee can play a role, um, you know, down the stretch in a playoff game or whatever, or, or just the instant replay when you have it there. And you still they still don't get it right in the NFL or whatever. But, you know, it is what it is. You're on the road in Japan to Ioka, who owns Japan, uh, New Year's Eve. I mean, the guys fought there a bunch uh, over the last, I don't know, decade or so. Maybe, actually probably longer. I think his first one was like 2010, 2011. Anyway, you got a draw. So you didn't get the L in the column. And I know people will be like, yeah, but dude, he deserved it. I hear you. I just read my scorecard. But let's be like realistic too, you know. And and things happen on the road. And and so you're not getting screwed is my point. Um, I don't think anybody walked away from that fight saying, man, I don't think he's that good or, you know, well, if most people thought you won and then you didn't even get the complete L, that's not that bad when considering this is boxing. You know what I mean? This is boxing. Let's not forget about that, right? Let's not forget about that. So um, that's about all I'm going to talk about. I didn't see a bunch of those undercards. Uh, I've just been, you know, I've been a little busy and whatnot, but yeah, I didn't see a bunch of the undercard action. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a competitive fight. Uh, you know, I thought that I did think that the better overall shots would, you know, pretty much favor Franco. And basically, you know, I like to go over the copy box, some, you know, a lot of times just to prove a, a point or not prove a point, but kind of when we talk about certain themes throughout the fight and when I mention activity I mean Joshua threw 1412 punches he only landed 202 which is 14 percent Ioka according to CompuBox 214 he still threw almost 800 punches but landed 27 punch or 27 percent so 27 to 14 throwing about 797 so 800 to 1400 you're throwing basically over 600 less punches, but you actually outlanded him barely. And then if you look at the percentages for the power punches, and I know, you know, anything but a jab is a power punch, so it's a vague thing, right? But when you're landing 38.6 compared to 22.2, that's significant. You know, that is significant. So I thought that would be the case. I didn't think Franco would throw 1,400 punches, though. You know, and I just thought the second half of the fight, or maybe even two thirds of the fight, that Ioka would be the one with that movement, really stunning Franco as he comes in and moving and, and, and 
And he did some of that, don't get me wrong, but the constant pressure in Franco, you know, backing Ioka in the ropes and getting off, you know, a lot of combos, whether they missed or not, those little, that little subtle defense, whether it was with his footwork or his head movement, Ioka, that, you know, if you go back and watch some of those punches, clearly a lot of them didn't land. So, you know, effective aggressiveness wasn't something he did all night. He was effective at times, no doubt, and he was aggressive <laughs> just enough, in my opinion, to get the fight. Um, you know, like I said, at least it was a draw. You know what I mean? That uh, that helped a lot. That did help. That did help a lot. So, um, you know, like I said, if they want to go and, and do a rematch, hey, you know, sign me up for it. I think that would be great. You know, I think that would be a fun rematch. But um, overall, like I said, it is kind of nice to uh, – we've had some really good fights on that Japanese uh, – on those Japanese cards on New Year's. And I'm pretty sure there's been New Year's Day as well, but this one, a lot of them are, are on New Year's Eve, if I remember correctly. But, yeah, I thought it was a good fight. I thought it was a competitive fight, and like I said, I wouldn't mind a rematch. Uh, I think, you know – they probably shouldn't do it in Japan this time, you know, if they could somehow swing it over here. But th- then it comes down to, okay, so who's going to put the the fight on? And are they going to be able to secure it? Is that, you know, I don't think there was a – I haven't heard a bun- about like a rematch, like a two-way rematch clause or anything like that. Now, I- I'm saying I haven't heard it. I didn't see a bunch of people talking about that he's got that in the contract, so it's no big deal. Um, we'll see. You know, we will see. But either way, uh, it was a competitive fight. We will get into uh, Gervonta Davis and Hector Garcia in a short little bit. There's been a lot of talk about that uh, Hector Garcia, Devin Haney stuff. I know uh, Broadway Joel, the voice of the Dominican boxing boxing scene, who does a great job, especially when it comes to that. Um, you know, he, he, he had that that video that had Hector saying that he got kicked out of, basically they kicked him out of camp or didn't call him back or whatever. And, and, and then Haney came back and, and, you know, said, you didn't, you know, we, we, we kicked you out because you weren't that good because we basically dogged you. Or, you know, we tried to call you, but you didn't answer. So, you know, it was, it was a couple different things. Then they, he released a sparring um, session that, first of all, not a whole lot happened in, in the round. Was it just a round or two? I can't remember. I watched some of it. But um, if that's the best highlight you could, you know, release to the public, I'd have to say the sparring was pretty competitive. Um, didn't see it, um, according to Bob Santos today at the presser. He was saying that, you know, there, there's two sessions of it. We didn't film any of it. They have the film, so it is. I try not to get too caught up in it because, you know, we had that uh, also. It's been a big sparring session week, which is, uh, you know, doesn't really do much for me, to be honest with you. Now, if guys are uh, retired, right, and or maybe older like uh, – like when Floyd Mayweather, right, on the last handful of fights, 
I, I suppose maybe a little bit more than a handful. What year? Well, maybe that was 2015, so it was only a handful. But when he talked about his session with with Errol Spence. And he gave him props and all that type of stuff. And, and then there was the bruise eye and, you know, stuff like that. That's a little different. Or guys that are retired that talk about, hey, man, I remember the worst sparring session. You know, like, to me, though, when we're talking about active fighters and they've sparred each other in the last few years, don't get me wrong. I, I've watched a fair amount of it. I think it's interesting to watch two high-level uh, competitors sparring. You know, I, I like it. But I don't get too caught up in it. Um, at least there was video, you know, released instead of just talk. But the video really didn't live up to much of, oh, I can see why, man. You really dogged him out, Haney. You know, and on the same breath, I didn't see anything in there that said Hector, yeah, they need to, he's giving them a lot of trouble. They need to kick him out of camp. So a lot of, you know, a lot of something without much, not, you know, without nothing there. It's 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 a lot lot of not nothing, lot of nothing, um, and so, and then like I said, we had that that Errol Spence Floyd uppercut and almost knocked him out. And some people are going, you know, on their YouTube channels, and of course on their Twitter posts saying he got knocked, Spence got knocked out by Mayweather uppercut, and people jumping on that, and it's just like I said, I, I just don't get too tied up into this stuff it's it's worth mentioning i guess because it's out there in the in the twitter verses but in youtube boxing stuff but it, it's i don't know like i said to me that that video showed that hector can somewhat hang with haney you know from a sparring and that's the thing guys you don't know what you're working on what each side is working on what they're telling him him to do to haney um you know, or how to fight, I'm saying, not go go beat his ass. I'm not saying what to do to him. But, you know, it, it can be such a specialized thing. Hey, today we're going to work on this. Today we're, you know, tomorrow we're going to work on this. I didn't like this, so we need more work on this. You know, it can be just so subjective and I don't know, man. I just, uh, I get it. It's clickbait. Um, I, you know, fighters say it all the time. It's You know, it's not 100% clickbait uh, for Joel because he's the one, you know, Hector said it on camera, so I wouldn't really say that's clickbait from there, but the rest of the stuff that comes from it, a good amount of that is clickbait. Um, Let's go ahead and bring in Sean here to the fold. What's going on, Sean? How you doing? Chris, uh, good to be here. Uh, Belated Happy New Year to you and uh, ready to, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, recap, uh, just finish out 2022 and uh here we go uh we get started with 2023 with the uh Gervonta Davis uh card you know highlighting the weekend yeah right back at you happy holidays in general hopefully you know you got a little downtime and some family time I know I did um definitely hit the ground running between the holidays but yeah it was uh it was definitely good and I hope everybody out there as well had a, a safe but, you know, fun holiday and whatnot. Um, you know, you weren't able to – my schedule's been a little messed up. We were Sometimes we haven't been able to link up as far as a good time to call in for a segment. But um, I did do the great, the good, the bad, and the ugly as far as 2022 uh, know, year in review. 
if you want to, you know, brush some of those, you know, brush up on some of that, who you thought was fighter of the year, the fight of the year, and, and kind of just overall stuff. Um, obviously, the theme um, from late July on, uh, although we had some good nights, uh, overall, you know, uh, whether it was injury, whether it was negotiations, it, it just, in general, the year didn't end on a high note, I guess beyond a good fight on New Year's or whatever, but um, feel free to, to talk about that stuff and maybe, you know, you've read some other uh, award stuff and some of it you agreed with, some of it you didn't. So feel free to do whatever you like there. And then I do want to get your take on the uh, Ioka Franco fight if you were able to uh, find a, uh, you know, a video to watch that because it wasn't easy this time around. No, and you know me, I I, I catch everything, but uh, and and that one uh, I had interest in, and I've filed reports, but I do have to have full disclosure. I have not been able to see Ioka go yet. Yeah, of course, was aware right after it happened that ended in a draw, and a lot of people uh, seem to think Franco won. Of course, you can't. I found you know my personal experience can't necessarily go on that unless you see it yourself. But like you and I both agree, and we talk. It's it's better to see a fight than not see it, even if it's after the fact. Uh, but if you know who already what the result was, there's just something where you can't watch it the same way. It just does. To me, I still hold to that. It just doesn't quite register the same. Always worth seeing rather than not seeing. That's not my point. But not not the same as um, when you can catch it live and looked around like everybody else, you know, at least most people trying to find a stream or, think there might be some kind of last second broadcast in the u.s which all with all the streaming options we have now but as we know that that never never transpired and probably something worth noting uh, about that uh when we talk about health of the sport and what's popular what's not um you do have these streaming options so time that it's on doesn't matter as much as it used to you know you've got the zone espn plus in the u.s um, but none of them picked it up. You know, 115 pound fight between uh, two top fighters, and you know, in the U.S. there was no interest in even picking that up. So, I think that's something to keep in the back of your mind, at least. Uh, you know, you still enjoy, you know, all all weight divisions. But as I've said a lot on the show, and you know, that's throughout U.S. boxing history. You know, you get you get below bantamweight 118 pounds really below featherweight especially but then definitely when you get below bantamweight uh, 118 you, you know you you don't really generate much interest outside of hardcore fans um so the reason i i get back to that sometimes is we have seen people say this you know when when that's talked about as an area of growth for the sport and things like that in the u.s i mean you're really you're really in la-la land there. I mean, uh, like, you know, this was a good fight, didn't even get broadcast. So, you know, most people seem to think Franco won, so uh, hopefully I'll get to catch the fight uh, soon. Um, But, uh, you know, good showing for Franco. I mean, um, and I think it's got that additional tie-in. We mentioned this before. I think uh, while we're on the subject, it's worth bringing up again. Uh, And, you know, what my take's been consistently on it, even though he didn't look as good in his last fight, all the evidence to me, despite the fact that he's going to be fighting at flyweight for a little bit now, is that 
to me, Bam Rodriguez would, would go through these bigger names at 115 pounds. Um, you know, I, I really do believe what he and Robert Garcia are saying that, uh, you know, of course, you know, Joshua Franco's his brother uh, wanted to let his brother, you know, get a chance at the spotlight since, since he'd had the, you know, wins over Maloney at 115, really got some, got himself out there after moving down from bantamweight, and he kind of wanted to give him those opportunities, or they were thinking it would be Estrada, but it ended up being uh, Ioka, and who knows, maybe he will end up fighting Estrada, you never know. Um, but I, I think, you know, when you see what Bam did to Sor Rungvisai, and then, you know, we, we saw the Estrada Chocolatito three saw how long it took Chocolatito to get started and, and his very advanced age for the weight. Uh, then you kind of add further evidence that, you know, he, he, he fought Martinez on short notice and then Martinez really didn't look good in his fight the same night when, when he had plenty of time to get ready. I, I'm just saying, you know, it lo- looks to me like Bam Rodriguez at his age, you know, really a, for those weights really entering his prime, uh, he, he's going to be cutting through the opposition, I think. I mean, I think this 112 was just a stopover they chose for those reasons, but looks to me like he can handle anybody at 115. Been saying that since he's really exploded recently, and uh, nothing nothing to, to change my mind about that. Um, you know, 2022, I wasn't going to get into it really in depth, Um there's a lot of awards out there um, in terms of categories, and, and it is traditional, but uh, I, I didn't feel like I had to weigh in on all of them. I just wanted to briefly say, um, you know, I had tweeted it, and you and I talked about some of this, but, you know, I, I'm not, I'm still not crazy about his style of fighting, but I think Bivol with the, the win over Canelo, uh, clear win, and then the win over um, – Gilberto Ramirez, sound win. I, I think he earned fighter of the year. Um, and the way I look at it, you know, if you're looking at the eight weight classes and, and who would be the champ, even though he's at the top of the light heavyweight division, Beater BF's the guy there. He really didn't pick up a title uh, in that sense. And I always keep those kind of really high accomplishments in mind. But I just think the you, you have to also be flexible and have some reason to it. And I just think, you know, Canelo being the top guy, generally regarded pound for pound in the sport as a star, to, to be a significant underdog against him. Yes, there were some people that were picking Bivol. Well, be fair to them. I mean, there there were some people I saw picking him before the fight. But the odds are what the odds are, and you can't discount the odds makers like we always say. I mean, they still have to have to handicap it better than anybody else. And that's their job. And, and Bivol was a solid underdog. He pulled that off. Um, you know, then he beat Ramirez soundly really made Ramirez look bad. Uh, so still not quite. He, he was a little more aggressive in those two fights. Still not crazy about the guy's style. Some others talk, talk it out, but I, I I'm still not really particularly enamored with the way the guy fights, but I think he earned it. So I think he was fired a year. I feel strongly uh, myself, you know, you had debate on this one, but I think Lubin Fondora was fight of the year, and that's women's and men's. Um, I think out of all the fights, that just had the back and forth action to me, the drama, 
the swings and momentum that a fight of the year is made of. Uh, to me, that was clearly the fight of the year. Uh, I, I actually do think that that was clear. Would Conlon have the drama? But to me, it's kind of ironic because Conlon ended up being the loser. But what what to, what didn't quite qualify that fight for me was, even though Wood obviously was in horrible trouble at the beginning of the fight and ended up winning by knockout at the end, I thought after Wood got up from the terrible trouble that Conlon was still pretty much dominating that fight for the most part until, got to be fair to Wood, you, you look at the replay, it was hard to catch it live, but Wood did drop Conlon, you know, when he when he started coming on at the end and then knocked him out of the ring. To me, that's not the year, though. I, I didn't think that that in the main portion of the fight it had the momentum swings for me to make it fight of the year. But with that drama, that was knockout of the year for me. Um, and I thought Derek James clearly earned trainer of the year. You know, the Jermel Charlo win over Castaño in the rematch, great fight adjustment. And uh, one of the big wins of the year, um, Showtime, showing that fight on regular Showtime, even though it was a big fight, that was a good thing. Of course, you know, that's aside from Derek James being trainer of the year, but, you know, training Errol Spence, still keeping him at the top of the welterweight division, and then the job he's done with Frank Martin, and Frank Martin picking up the huge dominant win over Rivera at the end of the year. I thought that that made, um, you know, Derek James clearly trainer of the year, and, and those, those were just the, the awards I was really um, focused on. So, you know, we can we can get into, you know, get your thoughts, Chris, a little bit, anything you want to add to that. I know you already went over it, but on the 2022, and then we can get into the 2023, what we got up coming here. And, and we have had some out-of-the-ring issues that are significant that are, you know, worth discussing as well. Um, so I think it's, it's worth getting into some of that. Yeah, I definitely don't have much to say when it comes to um, either of those topics, just because I I went over both uh, in the last show, but definitely would like to hear uh, uh, your point of view on that, and then we'll get into, uh, uh, you know, the, the the Showtime pay-per-view car coming up with Gervonta Davis and Hector uh, Garcia on it. But yeah, feel free to discuss whatever you'd like as we head into that. Well, I think just adding to that, since it is a good segue into it, you know, and, and of course, with my legal background, I mean, I think you, you can't dodge difficult issues. I think it's worth discussing these domestic violence issues we've seen come up. Um, and I've discussed this with you on the show. This is something probably in the last four or five years I've concluded. Uh, so I think it's worth saying again, because it, it still does kind of fit. And it fits because we've, we've got a pay-per-view card this weekend. And, and you know, in, in terms of what my analysis of things are, um, you know, I think boxing has enough, you know, it, it can't even, it can't even regulate really compared to other sports. And even though the chaos can be part of the charm, as we know, it can also be part of the frustration and what hurts the sport. You know, they, they, boxing has trouble even handling in the ring issues. So uh, I think boxing standards got to be, uh, it, it's so compared to other sports, loosely regulated. To, to think that boxing is going to have some kind of a standard for out of the ring conduct, um, and it's the most violent sport. Like, you know, we have to be real there. It's already the most violent sport. To think that they're going to be able to police out of the ring conduct on their own, in other words, making moral decisions, 
um, I don't think is realistic. You know, I came to that. So I think for for the way boxing probably should handle all out-of-the-ring issues, it should just be, you know, what what the legal system is doing. In other words, if somebody's, you know, even out on a bond, I mean, they're legally permitted to fight, then I think, again, if it's an out-of-the-ring issue, I think boxing is going to have to let it go. I just think – What about video in there? Not to cut you off, but what do you think about video where you actually get to see something? Uh, I'm with you, though, as far as that goes, because, you know, you can get burnt both ways on that, but it is what it is. Let the legal system uh, handle it. Right, but but what I do want to add on that, because I think you've got to clarify, and I think this is where people – I think some of them are intentionally misconstruing, and then some of them I think don't know better. Um, like, like let's first, we'll take it, you know, we've had these two major situations recently. You know, you take, and I'm just going to go from this from a legal point of view, from my experience, you know, knowing these things, being a lawyer, you know, developing evidence, uh, you know, def- defending, you know, you, you know, when you're, when you're in a prosecution type role, I've never been a prosecutor, but I mean, uh, you know, I, ha- I have been in cri- have been in criminal defense. You know, civil plaintiffs lawyers. My main thing, where you're basically pros- kind of doing the work like a prosecutor on the civil side. Um, you know, a private situation, so to speak. Um, but you know, like, but then also knowing, you know, been in different courts and different situations and, and, and seeing these things, and sometimes, you know, just even on the civil end, uh, we had, you know. We, 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 with Gervonta Davis, we had one. We had one video incident in the past. We saw. Then you had these charges in a nine one one call. This is the part where I think some people are intentionally misconstruing, and some people don't know better. Because the victim recants in a domestic violence situation. Now, can there be a situation where, in theory, and in reality, where where somebody falsely accuse somebody of something yes but but that is in a domestic violence situation especially throughout the history of the united states where a lot of states and jurisdictions in recent times being more progressive have even set policies where an officer has enough evidence outside of and and even took a statement from the accuser and then the accuser recants they go ahead with the prosecution anyway you know to say that davis is owed an apology uh, because this was recanted is really ridiculous. Okay, I mean, I am just going to say that, and and you know, it doesn't mean it was played out in the system, uh, but I'm just saying I, I think you got to say that. You know, you, you know, you saw past incident he had, but with what I said again, now I, legally, he he's not going to suffer from any kind of, you know, criminal conviction on this. Card's going to go forward. I think in boxing. I've come to the conclusion that it should. So, um, or, you know, that, that there's really nothing that they can really, they, they could do, but stepping in, I mean, you know, they seem to step in on the Roley Romero thing. And then he, he accusations against him were dropped, but I'd even say in the Roley, even not knowing that was going to happen. Like I said, I, I think, you know, Showtime, if they wanted to do what they could do it and they have marketing concerns, but like I said, I just don't think, unless it's in the ring, I don't think boxing can really get into that. And then on Dana White, you know, you have a situation with the UFC, of course, combat sport, you know, it's on video. He get he gets slapped first. He slaps his wife back. Um, 
you know, he shouldn't have. Shouldn't, shouldn't have done that. Now the UFC though is a little in a different situation because they're, you know, they're 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 like an enclosed entity, so to speak. So, you know, it's one entity. So they could take action against. You know, I think they could, if they wanted to. You know, they they could take action against Dana White. Um, it's it's an it's an organization that you know all under one umbrella like that. I mean, there is other MMA organizations, but I mean it's. You know, it's kind of kind of one promotion there. I, th- I think it's a little different, you know, in that in that sense. But but then you, there's a situation where he gets slapped. I mean, you can start getting to legal analysis there. I mean, obviously though, when he he when he she initiated a physical contact, but you know, an assault really. But he he obviously was under no threat of, you know, he he didn't believe he was under any threat at that point uh, or anything like that. And then, you know, he, he's he's responding with with you know physical violence uh, when he's not really under any kind of threat or anything like that. So, um, you know, yeah. And then, you know, as people pointed out, you got nobody writing about that. So I, I think in the boxing sense, I think it's you know, which it is, it it, it goes on. But I just wanted to clarify that I think it's probably under the circumstances, you know, the just for boxing, the right, you know, right decision, it just goes on. But I think, I, I think I do have to throw in the, the legal point of view and legal experience there that, you know, to just say, you know, when a, when a domestic vacants to say that that that's an absolute, I mean, that's not, you know, that's not the case. That's not the case. Certainly not in the modern world. Um, you know, there, there are cases now that, that get prosecuted when the victim recants, if there's enough other evidence. And there and there have been convictions, so um, you know that's 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 a that's a different thing. You know, it's uh, it, in, in domestic violence situations, that's that's a little different. But I think we can get into the uh, I think we can get into the ring. But I, I didn't want to dodge those issues, um, and we could get into it a little later because we want to get into into the ring. But since it just happened within the last couple of days, and anybody that follows boxing knows because we've seen these things. I, I think it's probably worth at some point, maybe we can get it, talk about it in the ring first, but you know, the DeMar Hamlin situation, of course it's NFL, but you know, we have seen these types of situations in boxing, just in terms of horrific injuries and in boxing leading to death. And, you know, this just happened on Monday night football on ABC. Um, you know, I did see one tweet out on it, which which it came to my mind too, having you know just seen that firsthand and remembering it. You know, forty years ago when you had Ray Mancini and Dooku Kim, when boxing was so much more popular, you know, and being viewed by millions on the weekends on network TV, and that fight was one of those fights. You know, and when Mancini was just starting to get extremely pop um, popular, it, it kind of does if you know if you at least know the history of that, if you saw it or you at least know the history, um, I'm not saying that the NFL is going to have boxing's problems. I don't, I think the NFL is too powerful, uh, but that did, I've always believed, you know, that that did start a downturn in boxing. Um, yeah. I think that the networks got more reservations about the product and things like that. And I'm just throwing that out there because then, then people seeing something like this firsthand, that you know, if you look back on forty years of history in boxing, 
when you saw something like that firsthand and the impact it had. You know, I, I mean, I think this is going to have impact, but I think with how powerful the NFL is, you know, it, it'll be different. But um, it is something to keep an eye on in that sense because, um, you know, for boxing, that was a key moment. But where I think it ties into boxing now is I think what, what we've probably got to look at as boxing fans too. Um, you know, we had just in recent years, as horrible as it is, you know, we had a DAZN fight stream where Patrick Day died as a result of his injuries in the ring. And, you know, we had Dadashev in an ESPN Plus stream, you know, when against Mateus when he died from his injuries in the ring. Um, you know, those were just streams. Um, and, you know, it's happened before. I mean, I was watching an ESPN fight in the 80s, you know, when uh, Sean Thomas died in the ring against Chris Calvin. You know, it's, it, it's not that it hasn't happened, but, and, you know, we had Mancini and Kim. But I'm, I'm just, what I'm kind of saying is, you know, Look at look at the public reaction as to what happened to, you know, Hamlin in an NFL game with that many people watching it. I mean, you know, now imagine now if in the year 2023, you know, something something like that happens in a fight with with that, you know, with with a higher with a higher viewership, you know. Um, that's one thing, you know, boxing falling further under the radar screen. You're not having that like you used to, but I think it's some, something to think about there too, you know, for the sport. I'm, I'm not even saying there's anything you can really do about it, but it's just, uh, for, for the future of the sport. Um, it's, I think it's, I think it's something to think about. Yeah, that, that is fair. And, and when you think about, you know, if it were to be on one of those, uh, larger, uh, you know, like bigger named or whatever, something happened. It, it would be that much more of a a big deal and whatnot. Um, and yeah, you can tell just on my Twitter uh, timeline that night of of that player. Um, you know, hopefully he makes a recovery here. And, and the news is, you know, all things considered, pretty good. But it's really touch and go still. But um, yeah, that would be a. That would be a, a it'd be a major thing. Obviously, it was a major thing back, like you said, you know, in the '80s when it was actually on. Uh, you know, things like that happened where there was big ratings and whatnot. But yeah, the, with the social media and everything like that, and and whatnot. Um, so obviously, we got a fight coming up. We'll talk about the main event mostly. Um, so you know, obviously, we know. I think it's. Was April fifteenth or something was the the date that's been talked about from a variety of people. I think even the uh, Oscars said that date on, on camera. I don't know if they wanted him to do that or not, but um, Ryan Garcia chose not to um, have a tune-up. Um, neither guy got a fight in the fall. Um, it sounded like both sides were kind of contemplating that. We've kind of both heard from both sides saying that, you know, I remember Ryan Garcia recently said that it was actually Tank that wanted the, the tune-up, but I've also heard it reported the opposite way, and they just both decided to take it. And uh, and then obviously, you know, Ryan decided not to. Um, you know, the the it's a minor distraction, just that alone, knowing that, okay, I'm going to get by him, and then I'm going to fight in April or whatever. But obviously... You know, the last days, 
um, have been pretty intense uh, for Javante, whether, you know, we don't actually know what happened ultimately, but it's a distraction. So not only having a fight booked and talked about that they, uh, they agreed to terms and all that before these other fights were talked about, um, so there is distraction outside of the ring, and you know, although we haven't seen Hector Garcia fight at 135, uh, he wasn't what you'd call a big puncher. He can pop, but he's not a big puncher by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, at, at, at 130, um, but really put the the 130 pound division on on notice last last year with some big wins. Uh, you know, beating a, a, a unbeaten contender at that time because you know the wba it kind of matters which wba division of course but they uh they stripped colbert uh like they stripped some other fighters and like i said they haven't stripped some other ones but you know that that's how it goes um and it, that was a solid win especially on late notice and then followed right up with gutierrez uh which was actually you could say was a tougher fight in spots but overall you know he really really looked good uh, doing it, and he, you know, he put his name on the map, especially at 130. Now he said that 135 is not going to be a problem. Sometimes going up five pounds means nothing. We, you talk a lot about the old, you know, weight classes and going from 126 to 135, and how 130 to 135 is not a big deal. Now if you start lower, you know, you you, can, you don't know where one fighter caps out to the next. Um, he is an experienced fighter, whether it's uh, you know. The pedigree, Olympic qualifier and whatnot. He is a southpaw. Um, Hector has good footwork. You know, he, he has the ability to punch, like pivot and punch, you know, in combination. Um, it's an interesting fight. I definitely don't call it just a tune-up. I definitely don't think it's just a, hey, here's a highlight real knockout in round two to a guy that shouldn't be in the ring with me just to kind of uh, make, you know, uh, almost like advertise. I mean, in a sense, this is marketing for a fight that's happening. I just wouldn't call it like a, a paid programming. You know what I mean? Uh, we've seen fights like that. Um, but I, I think it's a quality opponent. We'll see where he lands at 135. I think his ranking at 135 will have to do with how he performs in this fight, win or lose. Um, how do you, how do you think this, uh, fight will play out? Um, and you know, could those outside distractions take, you know, take the, his eye off the bit for Javante knowing he's got a fight potentially coming up as long as he doesn't get hurt and obviously has to get the dub. First, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but I'm not a hundred percent sold on tank and Ryan Garcia happening. Um, I'm not saying it won't happen, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent in on that yet. Um, is that I think just because of, we've, we've heard the agreed to terms stuff in the last six months a lot, or is it a different layer that you suspect it's not going to happen? It, it's, it's a little bit of, a little bit of vagueness on the terms thing. And then it's also that to me, one of the problems with more recent boxing and the, the promotion and marketing of it has been it just happens too much for me to ignore it is whenever a lesser fight's coming up um that they're gonna that they're trying to sell 
it's, well, he's going to fight this guy next. And, you know, to, to get people to buy in and then, and then the, 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 the next guy never happens. Um, I'm not saying that will happen here, but I'm not, I'm not counting that out that, um, you know, now it might be more in favor of it being likely to happen. Believe it or not, that Ryan Garcia is not having a fight because, you know, the, the initial cynical part of me was thinking, okay, you know, Tank's going to fight somebody pay-per-view we really don't want to see. And, you know, Garcia's going to fight somebody we really don't want to see. So now we're, gonna, we're hearing this talk about, you know, Ryan Garcia Tank, and it's not going to happen. But now, you know, Garcia's not going to have another fight coming right up. But I'm, I'm still – I'm still a little bit I'm still a little bit skeptical. Um, you know, we've talked about the tank pay per view thing. Like I said, in modern era, I don't look at the live gates because you know, just fight fights, big fights aren't are, are about TV. You know, may, maybe a site fee. You know, they want to make money on the live gate, but we're we're not we're not planning our fights in the year 2023. Our big fights on what live gates are going to be. You know that that's so far secondary to TV, it's not even worth talking about. So they keep running tank pay-per-view, which means to me there's something there or they, or they wouldn't keep doing it yet. We don't, you know, Showtime's part of CBS, you know, yet we Viacom, you know, we don't, we don't, yet we don't really hear, like, we don't really hear the numbers, you know, like, like we're a real successful event. You know, they kind of want those out there. Um, you know, the last show, Tank was fighting on regular show when we did see numbers. His numbers were ahead of other guys, and even though it's a high standard, but but they were nowhere near like where Deontay Wilders were. You know, when when he last fought on Showtime, I mean they they were probably about a third of that. So um, you know, we know what Wilders. You know, we know some of Wilder's heavyweight pay-per-view numbers with Fury, of course, big fights, but at least we have some idea of those. So, you know, we know, I, I think we can safely say, you know, you know, Tank's got to be quite a bit below that. Um, but again, there's enough there that keeps coming pay-per-view. I mean, I like watching the guy fight. You know, he's one of the guys I most like watching. I think all you got to do is leave it with, I mean, it, it was kind of surprising, but obviously, you know, it was straight or honest. I believe it was Canelo said he likes watching Tank about as much as anybody else of, of other fighters. So, you know, I don't think, there doesn't seem to be anybody out there who's credible, who's saying they're they're not entertained by Tank. I mean, you know, he's knocking guys out. Um, the fights are exciting. So, um you know, there, there, there's some, there's something there, um, but I, I just don't, I just don't know. I, I mean, you know, I don't know if we're definitely going to get the Ryan Garcia tank or not. I mean, maybe we do. You know, we we have a, I think, like I said, I throw out the alphabet part because when both sides know they want it promotionally, it happens. That overrules the alphabet, um, and you know, Stanionis is going to fight Virgil Ortiz. So, you know, both sides. I determined that that was their interest. You know, Wilders fought Fury. I mean, you know, there are, there are when when it's both sides feel it's enough in their interest, it, it can happen. So, you know, I, I hope it does happen. But I'm I'm not put me in the camp that's not 100% sold yet. So now getting in the ring, where are you, you know, at percentage up, wise? Then are you 50 50 or you lower yeah, than I'm that? Or? I, right. I, I don't want to cop out, but but I think that's really where I am on this one. Put me at 50 50 on this one. I'm 50-50 that we see 
uh, you know, can uh, Ryan Garcia. I'm, I'm not like 90, 10. We're not going to see it. I'm, I'm a, but I'm not like this is a done deal. I, I'm at a 50. I think on this one, I'm truly at a 50, 50. Put me at a, put me going into this tank fight Saturday at a, at a 50. You know, of course you've got to win, but put, put me at a 50, 50. So I, I'm well, you know, 50. sure. I think it's going to happen personally, uh, but I understand, um, you know, agreeing to terms is not reported. Agreeing to terms is not what it used to be. I'll say after these last six months, maybe the last few years, whatever you want to say, but especially highlighted the last chunk of time, the agreed to terms. We had an agreed to terms for uh, Spencer Crawford. We had one for Wilder Joshua. You know, we, 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 so I could understand that part, you know, it is, it's gotten a little loosey-goosey when it comes to this, but I think the fact that both sides came out and really were like, yeah, it's done, like, we're, it's just a matter of putting pen to paper, and obviously you still got to do it, um, and, and that stuff doesn't happen until you get, uh, you know, Gervonta past that. That's just factual. We've seen dating back to Holyfield watching Buster Douglas and, you know, he's got a contract just waiting to sign for like 22 mil. And we saw what happened there. So I, I'm, I'm pretty confident it's going to happen, but I, I understand, uh, you know, especially in the last chunk of months. Uh, but do you think this is like an infomercial straight up like uh Canelo Chavez jr. Obviously no, Chavez I jr. had, had some solid, you know, nights and bouts and fights at 160. But by the time he fought Canelo, that was on some infomercial stuff for Golovkin. Where do you stand there? Because I, I personally, I don't know where I'd rank Garcia uh, in the top 20 or whatever. I don't know exactly where I would at 135. I do got to see it. But I don't look at this as an infomercial, and this is just a, a run-over type guy. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean – now, odds-wise, you know, Tank's a huge favorite, so we have to keep that in mind because, in that sense, the odds makers have to be unbiased. You know, they gotta they gotta set the right line. So they're independent in that sense. You know, they're not tied to a promotion or anything like that. So, you know, they've got they've got Tank as a huge favorite. But I agree with you, and I like you. You do have my analysis down right that I, the way I like to analyze fights, and that is the way I do it. I don't think the five pounds is going to matter here for Garcia coming up, and Davis has fought at one thirty. So to me, that's where even more so it doesn't matter. So uh, I don't. I, I I remove that as a factor, and then I, I do like what you, what you said. I mean, and I and I don't even do that the way some others would would do. Like say, well, he hasn't beaten anybody at lightweight one hundred thirty five pounds. I really look at it more on ability. So. Yeah, just like you're saying. So if there was eight divisions, where at lightweight would Hector, you know, Luis Garcia be? To me, you know, yeah, talent-wise, pro- probably, you know, pushing maybe to get to the, you know, the bottom of the top ten. You know, you know, lightweight get get lightweight has gotten real strong recently, so um, that probably pushes him out of that. Um, a little bit if if it was a weaker division you know he might be like a number 10 type of guy but you know you know fringe fringe of the top 10 so that's that that's where you you, you kind of get into the business of boxing a little bit because to me that's a kind of fight like in your ideal boxing world like like that should be a network or a showtime fight you know that's not a pay-per-view fight like you're fighting a guy in the fringe of the top 10 but i but i agree with you 
sometimes you get a guy on the fringe of the top 10 or just in the top 10, the guy can be good enough that it's not an infomercial. I, I'm with you. I don't really think this is an infomercial. I don't, I don't think it's a guy who's just some chump that, that Davis is automatically going to um, blow away, even though they're totally biased. You know, reading some of the articles in recent days coming out of the Garcia camp, and I actually do agree with the way they seem to be taking the fight. So I think their analysis is right and realistic. What they're basically saying, and I can even add to it there, you know, what they're basically saying is, you know, Tank's been relying on his one-punch power, which you look at his punch output, it's dropping to one of the lowest, you know, outputs for his division. You know, you know, really in, in boxing, you know, I do like punch stats for those kind of things. But, you know, he's got the high knockout percentage, totally legit. We, we've seen him just demolish guys with his power, and that makes him exciting. Um, but, you know, he, he's not tall even for a lightweight. Um, he's fast. He's got power. You know, he's explosive. But, um, you know, his boxing skills are solid. But, uh, you know, his, the punch output's not there, and it's been dropping. So the Garcia camp, seems to be looking at this like look you know this this guy you know you know Hector's a solid boxer and this guy's just looking at catching us uh you know he, he doesn't catch us he's going to lose a decision and you know you look at the Isak Cruz fight um you know even though Javante clearly won the fight but Cruz came on enough he made it tight I I think he did legitimately make it tight at the end and yeah we've even saw before he bombed out Santa Cruz you know Santa Cruz was letting his hands go landing quite a bit of shots you know he's not a puncher you know Javante Davis has never been beat up he's never you know this is all to his credit never you know never taken a lot of big shots I don't think he's got that kind of wear and tear on him but I I like like I said I always like to go Emmanuel Stewart his analysis that I've I, I read for decades um you know to me a boxing genius he was kind of the first one that taught me this going way back into like around 1990 when I remember him first saying it with Mike Tyson, you know, when Tyson first lost to Douglas, you know, he was first kind of saying, look, you know, I think Mike will be real good. He, he won't be quite the same after it's not, you know, just cause of getting beat. He said, I just think he's a, you know, he's a speed and explosion guy, you know, you know, not, not big for the weight. And, and, you know, he, you gotta be, you gotta be young. You, know, you got, you gotta be younger to really put that force, that speed in an explosion. And I, I think you've, I've seen that come up with other fighters at times over the years. Like, you know, when all of a sudden Roy Jones, you know, got knocked out by Tarver, then he got knocked out by Glenn Johnson, you know, after being up at heavyweight. I think that was one of those types of things. You know, Roy Jones was, was just so fast and, you know, so, so explosive. Um, and, you know, the speed, the speed and the reflexes that, you know, when, when that just goes a little bit with that type of – those types of guys that are like a force like that, that, you know, all, all of a sudden they, they become, you know, they become vulnerable. Um, you know, there's not that many guys that are even that good that, that fight like that, that to have those kind of uh, abilities. But, but when you do see them, some, sometimes that you can see that happen. Now, you know, you look at a guy, this is why I've talked, you know, a lot about sometimes about Gervonta with the moving up in weight, even though he's not tall, because, you know, look at like a Pacquiao, who started out at flyweight and then was able to be effective at welterweight wasn't that big, but see that those positive attributes he had as he moved up in weight, they, they were still able to kind of be there because he wouldn't have had the speed, you know, at featherweight at that, you know, when he was fighting in his late thirties to deal with those guys, even though they're smaller, but at welterweight, 
those attributes would still come out, you know, right, right up till, till very late in his career. And of course, Pacquiao is an exception, but, uh, and, you know, look how good, look how good Floyd Mayweather did, you know, he beat Canelo who ended up being lineal middleweight champion in the world at, at a weight, you know, in, in the traditional middleweight limits, like, you know, over 150 pounds. Um, so, you know, you see that kind of thing, but now, you know, Geronte Davis, he's here at lightweight. I think that I do see that trend with him. You know, he, he's just kind of looking to catch guys. I, I have seen him try to use his boxing skills more and they're not bad, but I don't think that's ever going to develop. I think some people think with him, it might, I don't, I, I don't, you know, he doesn't have the volume. He's just not that slick of a boxer. He's okay. You know what I mean? Like if he needs to use it, he can use it and be relatively effective, but I think he might even think that a little himself. I, I don't think that's going somewhere for him as, you know, that he's going to be this kind of turn into this boxer. Um, so, you know, it's going to be the explosiveness and the power. So he's got to catch it with that volume dropping. And I do think he'll probably catch Garcia, but here's where I, I see some trouble possibly for tank in this fight, it, it, which is kind of the way the Garcia camp's taken. And this is, this is where, even though Garcia is a huge underdog, this is the scenario I do see that's a problem for Tank. I mean, I was very impressed with the way Chris Colbert was fighting. He was really coming on, and he's a very slick boxer. I mean, you could—he doesn't have the, you know, the offensive power nowhere near it of Tank. Um, you know, not the not the offensive fighter, obviously, but you know, Colbert was was boxing slick. You know, boxing very well. You know, going into that Garcia fight. And you know he he got dropped and and soundly beaten, um, and I'm I'm thinking that he, here's what I would throw out there. You know, is is Tank a better pure boxer than Colbert? You know, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, he's overall obviously more talented. He's got more offense, but what I'm that's what's kind of interesting to me about this one. Like, in other words, if Garcia could handle the boxing of a Chris Colbert. Um, you know, who, who's, who's a really good, you know, Southpaw boxer. I mean, he, you know, he, he might be able to handle, you know, he might be able to handle Davis. And if Davis doesn't catch him, you know, it, it, it could be tight for him. Then um, I, I can see that scenario. I'm not going to call it. I, I just think, you know, Javante Davis has proven to me that he's good enough that I can't, I can't go into this one. You know, Garcia's 31 to me for a lightweight. That's, that's not a prime age for a lightweight you know, even though he's just arrived on the scene now, I take a lot of that into consideration. You know, to me, it's always, and I think boxers know this and matchmakers know this. You know, if if let's say, you know, Gar, you know, Hector Luis Garcia was was 24, you know, and, and he was 16 and now coming off these wins, you might be, you know, you might you might be matchmaking then and saying, yeah, this guy's not only an inf, not an infomercial, we might not want this guy, but at, at 31 years old. I, I think that, you know, Tank's going to catch. I, I, that's the consensus. I agree with the consensus there. I think it's just likely that Tank's going to catch him before the end and get him out of there. Um, but I do see like, – that's like you're saying, Chris, in terms of it not being an, an infomercial. That's what I've kind of got to call him now. Um, you know, it's not an infomercial in the sense that, you know, sometimes I'll see a guy – I think Tank's like a minus 1,600 favorite – 
you know, when, when you're a minus 1600 favorite, you know, the other guy, you don't see any path realistically to victory. Uh, you just can't see it at least going in. I can see a path for Garcia. Like I described, if tanks just waiting on catching him, And if Garcia had enough skill that he was basically able to drop and outbox a Chris Colbert that over a 12 round fight, um, again, to me, the 135 is not going to matter. So I'm discounting that. Over 12 rounds, I think there is a scenario that Tank could get outboxed. You know, out, you know, maybe you want to call it even out-hustled with, with his volume being that low. You know, it, it is always tough going into a fight. Um, it might be a little too extreme. Now Garcia's camp also, I saw they're comparing it to like a Deontay Wilder and Fury. They're saying that, you know, like, like Wilder's got Tank's like Wilder. He's got a he's yeah, got that's this way I, I, that, I agree with you. He's already that. shown he's not that, you know. Right, right. I thought that was too extreme. I don't see it that way, but it's just that, you know, I mean, you know, Tank, and look, I love Wilder. You know, I, I think he's actually, you know, when you look at what he's done, he's been underrated really overall. But, um, yeah, you know, even, even though I really like him a lot, I mean, you know, I think he's, you know, at his best he can go with a one-two. Um, you know, good jab, and they, we we know he's got the right hand. But you know, you know, Tank's volume's down, but it's it, but he has a variety of punches. You know, that's that's what Deontay Wilder really doesn't have. You know, um, Tank's got a, you know, Tank's got a variety of effective punches. You know, his his volume is just not his volume's just not there. Um, you know, Wilder has had a dropping volume as well, but he's a heavyweight, and uh, you know he doesn't. You know, one of his weaknesses really is, I mean, even though I've always been a believer in him, is that punch variety, you know, is really effective punch variety is not there. Um, you know, Davis doesn't have that kind of a problem. Um, just on that one with the result, but but I am in the camp like you are. I, I think there is a legit path to victory here for Garcia. So um, there, there's going to be some interest to see what happens there. Because even Romero, you know, let's face it, you know, we are at this point, we've been seeing this with, in, you know, Tank's most recent fights. I mean, you know, Romero, in terms of, of rounds, he, he wasn't doing bad at the time he got knocked out. You know, he, he got caught, but, but he, he wasn't doing bad up to that point. And, you know, we, we yeah, saw Yeah, Mario's won plenty of rounds. He was winning, right. you know, on a lot of people's cards for a little while. Yeah, and, and Isak Cruz was, was winning rounds down the stretch. So a pattern a pattern has developed. So... There's Even Leo was good. doing pretty good, and he was on the back foot. Yeah, he was bit. doing well because he was throwing a lot, and then he got caught, obviously, you know, in, in a highlight reel. But he he was doing well because he, he's he's active, you know, he throws, and and he was throwing in that one. So uh, yeah, a pattern is developing. Um, like I said, it's it's kind of counterintuitive and ironic, despite his height. You know, if, if Gervonta moves up, you know, if Davis moves up, he might that might not be as much of a problem for him if he goes up in some weights, but he's in his later twenties now too. And at lightweight with that volume drop. And I do think there's a path for Garcia, but I just think at 30, Garcia's 31. um, Tank has shown he can catch guys. Um, I think fighting an older guy than him, he, 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 he should still be able to catch him, but there's some, uh, there's some, there is some intrigue, intrigue there despite the odds. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, um, you know, when I look at Garcia, beyond what I meant, 
you know mentioned earlier with the footwork and the 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 the, the, the ability to like pivot and punch that that you know circling his opponent but being there able to punch he's got a pretty good jab he definitely could counter pretty well um you know sometimes that he can get countered itself i mean that's kind of fair for everyone but i've noticed in the last two fights at close range sometimes he'll uh He'll get countered, and sometimes, you know, he, he, he's a little loose with his guard. You know, when he's up close on the inside, sometimes he'll put that nice high guard up, but a lot of times he leaves his hand way too low, and I think that if you try to all-in-one fight keep your hands up, sometimes you end up putting your hands a little too high, and then the body's open, and, and we know that Gervonta is capable of, you know, going you know, he can he can hit you hard with either hand, but he can punch in combination to the body. And it'll be interesting to see if, you know, how early it takes him to Gervonta to say, well, I guess I'm going to lead in this fight, because that's another thing. In some of these fights, uh, I think he led against Leo Santa Cruz as far as coming forward, because he was more on the, on the back footer, or not really moving the whole time, but at least circling and and, and at range or just on the outside, I think you can say that about Barrios as well. Whereas some of these other guys like Cruz and uh, Roley, you know, they they were coming they were coming at him. So I like the fact that he's shown that he can box on the outside, Gervonta. You are right about uh, the activity, the punch activity, and a guy that beyond Cruz, I think most of these guys don't keep up with the active rate and the willingness to throw combinations like Hector Garcia. I mean, he, he really does. He mixes up his punches, mixes up his attack really well. Um, like I said, sometimes it's a, a counter left, a, a lead counter. Um, and his right hand, he's got a good jab, but he has that right hook. At times, the right hook, I noticed watching uh, of late that he kind of cuffs or slaps with it. Other times, you know, I believe that's what he actually put, put – Colbert down with so the uppercuts the hook he mixes it up really well and I and I do want to see Tank I think in this fight Tank will be the one that does lead um, and and we've seen him when he does come forward at times uh, get countered himself get clipped on the way in so he'll have to use a jab he'll have to um, use some upper body head movement as well which we we've seen a mix of that so on one hand we could say oh Gervonta you know, was losing these rounds, but he was giving us a, a different skill set. Um, although I would have liked to see seen um, uh, the Ryan Garcia fight happen last year. To be fair, that that wasn't Tank's side. You know, um, in years past, I would have liked to see um, him fight Lomachenko, and we know because it came out of his promoter's mouth that that was having to do. Uh, with more on their side. Not to say it would have been an easy fight to make because we know ESPN and PBC and all that stuff, Showtime and all that, but um, they clearly weren't in a rush. And they, The one thing I'll say is they at least admitted it, saying, hey, we're building them. Um, you know, maybe that fight happens in the future, but it did seem like their side didn't want it. So a lot of, a lot of the um, criticism is you don't have that marquee matchup. You know, he has some names like Leo Santa Cruz. Uh, you know, he was the underdog. Some some books had it 3-1 to one against Pedraza. But 
So I understand some of that, and the bigger name you are, which inside the sport of boxing, he's only one of a few that can actually cross over into, um, I'm not going to say the mainstream, but in a sense the mainstream, or at least the casual fan, based off those gates we were talk, you know, you were talking about earlier. But I will say this. Cruz is not a slough-off type of guy. Moving up in weight from – he was at 130, technically, going to 145, um, or going to 140, I mean. Barrios was a, a second-tier 140-pounder in a, in a very good 140-pound division. Um, so that wasn't a crappy fight. Lewis, we just were talking about how Santa Cruz was doing good in the fight. So a lot of times I'll say this and I feel like it's happening in this fight, that a lot of people project, like, when it comes to actual the opponent, they keep saying this is a, a you know, a, a, a no-hoper moving up from featherweight or uh, this, that, and the other, but then they're, it's competitive in the ring. So it's kind of like, well, hold on, dude. I understand I want to see him against Haney, and I did want to see him against Loma. And I did want to see him against Ryan Garcia. But whether, you know, like I mentioned, I went over whose fault you could blame that on. But these are quality opponents. They're not shitty opponents like people say. Now, I understand the pay-per-view part of it, too. And if you're a fan of someone, you know, and a guy that's a little bit more popular, it's much easier to say, hey, you get that Gervonta pay-per-view? Yeah, cool. I'll rent it with you. You split money. Uh, You know, so sometimes, I don't know. I just think that. I'm not saying some of the criticism isn't right on, because it is, but I also think downgrading guys like Santa Cruz's shop worm, he, he almost, you know, Chris Mannix turned him into almost a bump. You know what I mean? So <laughs> to me, it was just Isaac Cruz, you know, as a, remember, he was, I, was, I don't think he was a late, late replacement, but he wasn't the first replace, you know, first fighter. That was, like you said, that was a competitive fight, seven to five. I scored it. And they're going to do a rematch. You can tell the way, you know, Isaac yeah. Cruz is being moved. It's going to be a rematch. So I, I think uh, some of this shit has just been projecting a little over the top. It's like, no, nah, this dude's a pretty good fighter, man. Yeah, exactly. He's a, you know, he's he's a real he's a real fighter. I mean, uh, I do think I and when I kind of look at those, it's like, is there any path, legitimate path to victory? And despite the odds, I think there is for Garcia. So that's kind of what I look for there in the realm of what you're you're saying, Chris. Is you know, is it is it at least somebody that's got some legitimate path to victory? And sometimes if a guy's just got legit power, that's a lot of times where now that's not Garcia here, but. A lot of times that's why well, you don't that's see some Roley, guys. Right, right, right. like Roley, exactly. And, and I said that before the Roley fight. I said, like, hey, okay, you know, you're knocking it, but but the one thing you got to give it is the, the dude's got some legit power. And, you know, when there's somebody in there with some legit power, you know, that that's of some interest. You know, there there's a path there. And, you know, he did end up doing much better than a lot of people uh, were saying he was kind of going in. Um so yeah, it's it, it's it's on that level, you know. And because some of these are made up, like like as we well know, we follow boxing regularly, uh, where there is no real path to victory for the underdog. So yeah, I, I don't think that that's uh, one of those uh, here. But then you know we've we've got uh, we've got you know Boots Ennis on the undercard, um, fighting a guy at least unknown in the U.S. U- Ukrainian with one loss, uh, with Cherkasian. An IBS special. 
Yeah, an IBF special. I I think maybe you're not even as high on him as I am, Chris. I'm I'm not sure, but you know I am. I I became I'm convinced about Boots. Uh, he sold me. Uh, I I already saw everything I liked. I, I was being real picky, saying you know sometimes I was wondering a little bit about his accuracy, but I I don't see any kind of glaring weakness there. Um, I think the guy's completely for real, even though welterweight is the the deepest division in terms of talent in boxing. I've been putting up has that for years. Some people try to argue. I still think when you're talking about deepest, that's, that's the deepest talent division. So he's in the deepest talent division, but he's near the top of it. You know, Spence and Crawford at, at the top, but you know, he, I, I think he, he's right there in terms of talent. Um, we'd like to see Spence and Crawford fight, but I, I am ready to see, you know, in theory, Boots get a shot at, you know, it's not going to, of course, you know, Crawford's not going to fight him and, and I don't think they're going to, they don't seem anxious to put him in with Spence. Um, I, you know, I'm just saying in theory, I, I would be up for the guy even getting that level of fight. So I, I just, I don't you know know much about the opponent, um, but uh, he hasn't beaten anybody. You know, he's got the one loss already. I don't, you know, Ennis is a huge favorite. I'm a believer in boots. I think he's the real deal. So I don't see in this one, I don't see any reason that um, Ennis should have, have any kind of any kind of trouble with this one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I did, you know, I watched that Ali Funeka uh, fight when he faced him, which, you know, hardcores know that name, but, you know, that it's been a, a little while since he's been, uh, you know, near relevant, I guess you could say. He's got a, a pretty decent jab. He's pretty good on offense as an offensive fighter. Uh, he can counter a little bit. Pretty good, like, sharp puncher, I guess, overall. But he lacks the defense, like, defensive fundamentals. And I, I just think, like you said, it, it's just too much. I don't I don't see that one uh, being all that competitive. And Ennis now, you know, there was that um, that report a little while back that the IBF, gave uh spence 120 days being that this is this the only good thing about this fight is people say it's a shitty opponent but then they praise the ibf like i've said a couple times now with this in the last few weeks it's like well you can't have it both like this was the next step down we know they all these sanctioning belts i'm not trying to just pick on the ibf they write their own rules they literally in their rules they have rules written that allow them to write whatever the hell they want. But right. Right. the next, it went down. Once Virgil Ortiz got taken off the list because he got called for the WBA, which is a great fight, and it sounds like it's a go, um, there's a date and everything, this was the next opponent. So that's what it was. But it is an interim, which I'm not crazy about, but it they have now applied the 120-day pressure so at least that's another notch up for Boots either getting, you know, which I don't suspect will happen at least not at 147, uh, getting a fight with action Spence, but at least it maneuvers the belt. Um, and, and then who knows, maybe in two years or something, uh, once Boots w- is able to get bigger fights at this division, maybe then he would go up, Spence, who knows. But, um, yeah, not much there. Uh, Demetrius Andrade is taking on Damon Nicholson. You know, considering he's been out of the ring for as long as he has, Andre, it's been a while since he fought. 
Uh, it's been over a year. And really, beyond like Liam Williams, uh, when you look at, I mean, Sue Leckie's okay, but when you look at his, you know, this run of fights for a while, this actually isn't a bad fight for him. <laughs> but I get it. It's like, okay, you know, and he even spoke of this in the interview a while back. I want, I want to get a fight and then really go for something big. So it's like, all right, well, they gave you um, a, a guy that, you know, went the distance with Berlanga, which I don't think really means as much. He's coming off a, a win. Um, I think it was Brooker, Christopher Brooker. Uh, he's been in there with Jesse Hard and in a lean. He had a draw to. So at least it's a guy we've watched and seen, uh, you know, on different platforms and stuff. It is what it is. I'm not necessarily looking to the fight or anything like that. But I do think Rashidi Ellis, which Rashidi Ellis is trying to put himself in position for that to be um, a possible fight with Boots Ennis, which that really, you know, excites me. I actually think, um, you know, he had, God, he had, I know he fought in the summer, uh, Rashidi Ellis, but he had a long break. I, I know he didn't fight in 2021. I, I know he was with Golden Boy and whatnot. But this guy, I've seen, you know, there's not a ton of tape on him uh, beyond, um, I actually don't think I saw his close loss in 12 rounds. I didn't see that fight. But, of course, we did see him on Showbox with Boca Chica. And, and I like what I saw in this fight. I think this is a real fight because this guy can pop a little bit. And uh, I think it's just an interesting fight. I think for sure on paper it's the closest boxing odds uh, fight, that's for sure, uh, with the yeah, that, that In terms of what I'm expecting – Competition-wise, that's fight of the night for me. Fight of the weekend is actually this Villa, this Villa, and um, Rashidi Ellis fight. You know, I, I thought that PBC, that, you know, Rashidi Ellis is good for him because PBC's got all the welterweight talent. Um, you know, I, 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 he, to me, he's he's been okay, not not great. I don't I don't put him talent-wise up on the level of some of the other good welterweights, but. I thought it made sense for him to get some fights, and for PBC, I, I thought that they decided him to be an opponent. I, what I'm kind of saying is, I, I kind of thought maybe his first assignment would be you'd be throwing him right in with a, a Boots Ennis, or if Spence needed a, you know, in their view, needed a tune-up fight or something like that, that he, he might be the guy. Instead, he's getting Via, who is difficult. Um, Via had the one loss; the rest of his record. He had a, he had a he has the high KO percentage, but uh, the names on his resume were not impressive. But then Boca Chica was on a really good run, and he looked tremendous against Boca Chica. I mean, he he just dominated him. Was real close to getting him out of there. Showed a lot of pop. Good size for the weight, and you know that's the thing. It's generalizing, but a lot of times it's a fair generalization. You know, sometimes you get. You know, some of the fighters in the Dominican or maybe Central America or South America and, you know, through the guys have fought, you know, a lot of times the records look good, but then they don't really have anything. Um, but then there are some cases where the guy steps up in a fight in the U.S., uh, you know, and, and is impressive. 
and this ended up being the case with him against Boca Chica. And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, you know, this guy's on my radar now. He he does have something. We didn't have the opposition on the way up, but but he's proven he can fight. Villa seems to me to be one of those guys. I do think this is an upset potential fight. Um, a lot of people actually, even though it's most competitive odds wise, and some knowledgeable people, you and I and some others looking forward to it, but I've seen a lot of others discounted that I don't think this is one you can discount, you know, from what I've seen of you know, Ellis does have a win over Hector Rocha. Rocha's proven he can fight. Um, you know, he, he's got a couple of decent wins on his resume, but to me, he's always been, again, relatively with the town, the welterweight division. He, he's just kind of been like, okay, you know what I mean? He doesn't doesn't wow you off the screen, uh, you know, when you're watching him. Uh, you know, doesn't have the real explosive performance that you take note of. You know, Ellis, he's, he's, a, decent, he's a decent fighter, you know. Of course, he's still undefeated at this point, but I um I think he's going to have some trouble here. Villa showed me enough in that Boca Chica fight. You know, again, guy, good size with the weight, good pop. It comes to fight. I think this is good. I think this is going to be a good fight. I, I'm not saying that the Ellis won't necessarily outbox him, but I do think there's a chance for an upset in this one. Of all the fights on the weekend, um, this is the fight. That, in terms of competition and what I expect for being a good fight that I'm looking the most forward to. And then, uh, uh, Andrade and, uh, Nicholson Nicholson's never impressed me. I, I agree with you. You know, we've seen him, at least we know what we've got there. Andrade's a, a huge favorite in the fight. Um, but yeah. where this fight does interest me is, you know, we've, we've heard it for years, but Andrade coming over to PBC now, um, PBC with plant, Benavidez, um, Morel at 168. All of a sudden, that's developing there. Um, Andrade coming over now. He's in that mix. I think he's going to get, you know, I, I think the waiting will be over. Like, I know we're not getting it Saturday night, but on this one, I do think it is legitimately the the step to it. I think we're going to see Andrade in a, I think he's going to get a big fight. I think PBC will get him the big fight. Um and uh, I, I think they'll get, I think they'll get him one of the, those guys at some point soon, and uh, so that's what kind of interests me there is that he was kind of off in the wilderness with Hearn on the zone, and you know now he's he's going to be with PBC. There's some fights available, and you know we don't know what Jamal Charlo is going to do yet when he comes back. I mean he he could uh, he could end up fighting at 168 pounds. That's been talked about for a while. So I, th- I think the pieces are in place with PBC right now that. And look, nobody wants to fight Morrell. So um, I'm not saying Andrade would, would want to fight him, but, you know, it's like any fighter. I agree with the analysis uh, that, you know, fighters, you know, if they're going to get paid. They're not afraid. They're going to take on who they got to take on. They want to get paid for it. So I think, if, you know, if the, if the money's there, I think, you know, he'd step in with Morrell. They're going you know, to have to pay him, but uh, I think he'd go in if they want to do that. Because, you know, who's going to fight Morrell? I mean, you know, who, who are you going to get to yeah, fight Morrell? And that's almost like the old thing, like I keep getting back to it, but I think it's 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 an old model that could even still work today. You know, you, you take two guys who nobody's really crazy about fighting and you put those guys in with each other, you know, then that creates an opportunity yeah. for both of them. This is kind of like that because a lot of people knocked Andre and they said, well, he could have fought this guy or that guy. Yeah, but – that's true. You know, there's some cases that is true, but also a lot of guys don't want to fight him either. I mean, you know, there was a chance he could have fought, 
you know, Jermel Charlo. I think that was totally legit back then. He pulled out. I remember when it happened, you know, back when, you know, back still in the premium cable days, and that, that was show, I believe. And, uh, you know, I think could he have fought Emma Kalui? Yeah, I think he could have, but I could even see it for him, you know, for, for what money he was going to get for that fight, for the risk. It really wasn't worth it. I mean, look, there, there's business aspects, too. I could kind of see it. So, um you know, and I, and I know, you know, Al, Al McCauley, really being fair to him, I think he is a guy, you know, Janet Beck, that, that people really, I, I think, even though he didn't look good against Bentley, I, I do think people aren't really too anxious to bite him either. So, yeah, that could have been one of those things, but I could see Andre kind of saying, hey, I've been waiting around. I'm not going to get the money for that fight. It, you know, it's crossover with top rank. It's not going to be realistic. So, um, you know, may, maybe Morell's going to need somebody to fight. I don't see who's going to want to get in with him. So maybe, maybe something like that. But I think this will finally lead to something for Andre. It's time. So uh, that's kind of what I got my eye on here. He's finally over with PBC. I think it'll. I think it'll lead to something. Yeah, I think uh, I wouldn't doubt if that Vladimir Shishkin was uh, Morel's <laughs> next uh, next opponent. You know, that, it is what it is. That would be decent. Yeah. I mean, you know, Morel would take him, it's but Shishkin's a competent fighter uh, coming off a good, solid yeah. win. Would get top 10, 168 guy now. Um, yeah, I, and PBC's got him. I, I, would, I would accept that. That wouldn't be bad. And it kind of goes in line with what Boots has had to face, where some of these guys are good fighters. They're not bad fighters. He just made them look real. It's been one-sided, like crazy one-sided. Uh, to some of these guys that we know Lipinets is a pretty good fighter. So is uh, right. Clayton. He's pretty good. And, you know, he's been just tearing these dudes apart. Um, so we'll see. You know, we'll see. I mean, you gotta you got to keep active and whatnot. And uh, sometimes it's difficult. I mean, you can even look at down the undercard, um, you know, Brandon Lee. You know, he's a guy that um, when you look down his resume, there's some like, oh, yeah, I know Dakota Linger and I know uh, – you know Zachary from this summer, from this spring. I know some other. You know, I know some of these guys, but you know the next guy he's facing, it's just a tune-up. You know, no doubt about it. The only thing I'll say about Brandon Lee is at least he's been active. I mean, he. I think he's probably the only guy that fought four times in 2020. <laughs> you know, he got two fights before the pandemic and then closed with some fights. Uh, he fought four. Uh, yeah, he fought three times last year, um, you know, fought twice this year, and now to- at the top of the year. That's a guy that I- I'm not going to break down his fight coming up, but that's a guy that I really hope, uh, you know, has one of those. He's still young. He's a guy that, you know, is ready to go. And let's hope that they can get him a, a big fight in 2023 because, like I said, he stayed active, and that's great, but he's getting to the point where it's like, he needs a challenge. Um, Jaleel Hackett's on the undercard. Trayvon Marshall. Uh, Tyron Davis is going against Fabio Rios. Vito, Vito's on the undercard. Um, any other items that you'd like to talk about? Not necessarily just with this card, because there's not too many more to talk about, but just in general, maybe something that you wanted to talk about, uh, you know, in, in the just the sport in general. Oh, well, actually, what you, even though it is in the other card for Saturday night, Chris, but you did mention a couple of guys that are worth 
touching on for me. I'd really like Brandon Lee a lot. And, you know, sometimes there can be a stumble, uh, and it's it's not something that's ne- necessarily indicative of a big flaw. But then again, you know, like, like I've said on the show when we talked about it, I, I kind of do use the analysis that if a guy kind of gets into it sometimes with a life-and-death situation earlier on his, in his career with somebody really he shouldn't be, can sometimes be a bad sign. And, and Brandon Lee, you know, in that last outing, he got he got almost got knocked out by a non-puncher. So yeah, he, he did. He did. Re, he did respond, but I mean, he was hurt really bad. He was really hurt bad. I mean, you know, and if the guy was a huge puncher, but the guy wasn't, so um, you know, now he did do the thing where he he hung on, and you know, you could say because there's no doubt he was in. I mean, he was about out. I mean, so. He was about in as much versity as you can be, and he responded. But like I said, to me, that's always a mixed bag where he did prove he's got the heart. I mean, that's true, you know, to come back. But, but when it's it's a little different against a guy, you know, who's a non-puncher or maybe a veteran who's real old and shouldn't be in that situation. Even even then when you're hanging on from the adversity, you know, you're, you're not under the same threat. Like, for example, I think this is a good example, like, when 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 you know when Tyson Fury got dropped in the twelfth by Deontay Wilder, you know a, a massive heavyweight puncher, and then he almost got counted out, and then he was responding, you know had Wilder on his heels as the round was closing. That's that's a positive, you know what I mean? Like that's not a that's not a negative when you get dropped by Wilder. We know how hard he can punch and how he's taking guys out with one punch, and you get up and then you know. You're turning the t- turning the tide, but but like when right. you leave That's on the way point, out, though, even, yeah, yeah, and I and I've even been critical, and I still stick by it. I think it applies to this day with the way the careers played out. You know, when Anthony Joshua, I've mentioned this one a lot of times because I think it is an important example. You know, when he fights a 41 year old Vlad Klitschko who's been out for 17 months and just looked like a zombie against Tyson Fury, uh, and and you know he and he drops you after you had him in trouble. And, and he's almost got you out, uh, and you come back. That's that's not really a badge of honor, you know. I mean, it's good that you came back and won, but you know, you, you shouldn't have a 41 year old Vlad Klitschko, you know, having you down and almost out, uh, you know, that that type of thing. That that's again lower level, but that's like Brandon Lee to me with this last guy. So he responded. He showed the heart because he was in really bad shape. He was almost out, but. I wanted to touch on that when you mentioned it, because to me, even at this level now, this is kind of an important fight for Lee. Like, you know, he's got to get back on track as that destroyer. Um, Even a little bit before this last mishap too, you know, he's kind of a little off his, and you know, he was destroying guys with some skill too. So he's got some pedigree. Um, I really like him. He's been one of my top prospects. I'm not giving up on him or anything, but because of that mishap, that hiccup in the last fight, I think he's really kind of got to be convincing in these next few fights to, to really show he's back on track. And he's been fighting at 140. To me, he, he's big enough. You just look. You can see he's big enough and powerful enough to be a welterweight. And to me, that's where the money is. So he's not there yet. But PBC, I could see him being there. So, again, but with all that competition, he's really got to – He's really got to show something. So I think he kind of needs a couple of statements. And then, you know, you and I have both agreed with Vito Milnicki. You know, he's a, he's a Jersey guy. He's had times 
I've liked him. He's got some amateur pedigree, uh, came up real young. He's had some good moments. But, you know, as we both said, you know, he's had the – and, you know, you were saying it going into his last fight, and really you were right. You know, when he gets – he's getting some of these TV opportunities, and, you know, just like I'm saying now, Neil Mickey – well, Neil Mickey does have a loss, though, to an odd puncher. You know, it was a decision, didn't get stopped. But, yeah, you know, well, you kind of got to come back. You know, you, you got to be entertaining. Even if you didn't have the mishap, you got to be entertaining when you get these TV slots. Now he's just going to be on the show – you know, the uh, – yeah, the show YouTube page. But still um, – you know, he's got to, you know, he's had some fights that have gotten some good ratings. So, you know, he's got, he's kind of got to take advantage of, of looking better in some of these fights. And, and he seems to kind of not get it a little bit. Like, you know, yeah, you want to win, but like you and I were saying, I mean, you, you, know, you get these TV slots, you get exposure, a high profile card, you, you got to be impressive too. You know, you got to build up that, build up that following, build up that momentum. And with Neil Nicky, the, the constant problem we've talked about that I that I, I keep looking for for him because I do see it's the problem. When he looks good, he's throwing a variety of punches. You know, he, he's aggressive and he's throwing a, bo- a variety of punches, some hooks going to the body. When he doesn't look good, he's just he's just trying to box with a one-two and just relying on trying to see if he can get a right hand in there. And he and he does that for the length of the fight and he doesn't really press it. Um, that's that's where he looks bad um, sometimes. And you know so. I, I've seen seen him enough from from the very outset of his career and followed his career closely. I kind of know what we got to see already. And and you know he's had all these. You and I talk too. It, it's kind of even now not getting reported as much. He he, he constantly is having these trainer changes. You know he's got to get that he's got to get that stabilized. He's got to get something stabilized with with who he's going to go with and uh, and you know get get some rhythm there and just just stay with that and and, and go with it. So. Uh, you know, I, I am interested to see what uh, Lee and Neil Mickey will do farther down on the undercard. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining me on a random day. Um, I should be able to do it next Tuesday night, um, and I'll keep you posted. But enjoy the fights, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, Chris. Great, t- great talking with you as always. Thanks for having me, and enjoy the fights this weekend. All right, have a good one. You take it easy. You too, Chris. Take care. All righty. So, um, and, and actually someone messaged me saying I didn't give my prediction. That is true. That is true. You're going to have to wait. I'm going to give it next week. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I think I think it'll be – there's a chance uh, from a, a mid, mid-round knockout. Um but I, I'm thinking mid to late TKO. Um, but like I said, I, I think it'll be interesting to see, um, like Hector Garcia, if he can, like I talked about that pivot, the footwork, if he can really use his footwork to, to circle and, and, and give Gervonta some issues um, on the way inside. And at times, if he does cover up, in fact, speaking to that Pedraza fight that I mentioned a little bit where he was underdog, there was two rounds where, you know, ultimately it didn't mean a lot for the fight, but he was able, they, you know, he would just kind of uh, kind of earmuffed up, you know, whereas I, we don't really see, meaning he just held his guard and sat there and let him go off and then, you know, exchanged on him and, and took over the fight again. It wasn't like he took over 
uh, Pedraza, the fight itself. And we haven't seen that a lot. A lot of guys uh, haven't haven't been able to do that beyond Cruz. Um, even Roley, Roley was able to, you know, cut, land some good shots. He was coming forward. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, like I said, when he does have a target, and especially if it's stationary or coming at him, and I'm speaking of Hector Garcia, he can counter pretty well, man. And, and, and if he does have a, a spot where there's an opening, he'll he'll throw more than one punch a lot of times. And if it is going to be one punch, whether it's a lead or counter, he's going to make a count. So I, I think it's a good fight. I did get some people messaging me saying this is just another, you know, lightweight sea fighter. It's like, if you're going to call Leo Santa Cruz a sea fighter, come on. Are you serious? You so you think Santa Cruz and Isak is a sea fighter and this dude's a sea fighter, uh, Garcia? Like, come on, dude. Like, like I said, I wanted him to fight Loma too. You know, and clearly Mayweather didn't want him to. Um, it is what it is, right? Clearly, Ryan Garcia. I'm not saying he didn't want to fight him last year. There was negotiations going on. It looked good. And then, you know, the Manny Pacquiao stuff took him away, which I understand if you got a shot at, if you think you have, ultimately it wasn't true, but he thought he, you know, he was misled about fighting Pacquiao. And then, you know, he had some, he had an injury, some mental health stuff. And so that wasn't Tank's fault. Uh, But no, I don't think this guy's a, just an easy informational fight. I, I just don't think that. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, uh, we will get into some fight news here. Eddie Hearn does have a plan, <clears throat> excuse me, for Anthony Joshua and uh, Connor Ben that we'll get into. We have some current fight news that, uh, you know, people are talking about. Um, as far as uh, AJ goes, and by the way, I, for people that tune in a little later, I got a couple of messages. I already talked about the sparring stuff. Um, when it comes to Garcia and uh, and uh, Haney and stuff, I'm not gonna make another segment about that. I, I did earlier, just a, I just brushed upon it. I didn't really go too deep. But this is Eddie Hearn on the Disown Boxing Show podcast. Joshua wants to return with a top 15 guy. Then a summer, then in the summer, probably Dillian White. Then a mega fight with Deontay Wilder. Now, that could be Fury, you know, as long as he gets past Usyk and whatnot. Um, the key is we want him to fight three times this year. There's an open line with Shelly Finkel, who, of course, is Wilder's manager. This is from Boxing Scene, by the way. Wilder's going to fight Andy Ruiz, and that fight was ordered by the WPC. Um, he goes on to say AJ's going to fight probably the first week of April. When people talk about rebuilding, there's no rebuilding here. We're just looking for momentum. I'm talking about, uh, I'm not taking about, or wait, I'm I'm talking about, I'm not talking about a fight against someone you've never heard of. Uh, I'm talking about a top 15 guy that AJ can fight with a new team, then go on, have a big stadium fight in the summer. I'm not even ruling out fight two, number two of the year against Wilder. So, um, and I think he, he has another 
Quote here, the plan now is to rebuild to become a three-time heavyweight world champ. Um, He also noted, Hearn did, that it's also very well being brave listening to Twitter go out and fighting while they're next, but there has to be a plan, a smart plan. This is an important moment. We must get it right. I truly believe Wilder or Fury are nailed for are nailed on for 2023. Um, and, you know, some people have taken that the wrong way, in my opinion, anyway. Kind of kind of jumped on it a little bit like, oh, you know, see, you weren't going to fight Fury. But I, and I don't think they would have fought Fury. You know? so in this scenario, I think it's a smart thing to do, man. Momentum, confidence, working with, you know, Working with a new team, having a camp, having a fight, and then taking on a guy like Dillian White to where you can have another camp, hopefully with the same trainer, and have two fights. You'd have two camps, two fights, let alone what he's doing right now, which we still don't know exactly. The last one he was with with Derek James, is he actually going to train with James full-time or not? I don't know. I have no clue. But I think it's smart, you know. Three fights next year, starting in April. I think it's smart. Um, now, some people are dogging it, and that's fair. Whatever. It is what it is. Um, and a promoter's going to promote, you know, just like I never – like I said, I never once believed that Fury and AJ were going to fight in the fall. I just, I just didn't believe it. I'm not talking about ducking and all that. I just thought that was not realistic. Um, turned out I was right, but I just – a lot of these folks that are dissing Hearn and in Fury or in uh, Anthony Josh right now, it's like, dude, we're a lot of these people were the ones that said, "Hey, man, you need a new trainer." Okay, well, let's see if he gets a new trainer. I don't know if he's gonna or not, but a lot of people said, "Dude, take a year off and train. Take six months off. Train with your guy. Don't overtrain. Take little breaks." stuff like that, and then have a fight and kind of rebuild, you know, get that momentum going back up. A lot of these people, I don't know the percentage, but a lot of these people are dogging him now are the ones that said you got to go do this. So then he's going to go do this, and now you're dogging him. You know, it's like you can't win. I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, Now, he also talked about Connor Ben. I'm wishy-washy mixed-matched about this one because it's kind of – it's kind of weird. Boxing scene. Um, the the headline, the punchline says Hearn says Connor Ben will resume his career in 2023. Wants to match him against Eubank and Tank, right? It's weird, a little bit with the Tank thing, but you know whatever. Um, he basically says you know Connor Ben's going to return either early 2023 or mid. Uh, he said that's a fact. Um, you know. The, the article goes over the adverse findings and the, the Vada stuff and all that. Um, but, you know, I don't know. It, it goes on to say, and I mentioned, I reported this a little little while ago, maybe last week or the week before, saying recently Ben rep, you know, reportedly submitted a nearly 300-page document to the WBC and Vada in a bid to prove his innocence. He went on social media and blah, 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 blah. But here, here's uh, Hearn. This is where I'm real like, huh? What? Um, Hearn seems to suggest that he'll be willing to take Ben on the road if it ends up that he's, you know, unable to fight in the UK, in England. 
Uh, Connor is very frustrated right now. It's like, oh, oh, is he? Oh, that's too bad. Tough luck. But he submitted all the evidence to clear his name. And now we're waiting on Vada and the WBC to make their decision. We want the decision as soon as possible. But the fact is, Connor Ben can fight not anywhere in the world, but most places in the world right now. He's not banned by anyone. He can apply for a license anywhere. We don't want to do that. We want the hearing. So this is why we want to go through the process so that people can see the facts, a decision that can be made, and it can either clear his name or receive a ban, you know, that type of thing. Um, he goes on to say that's why you've seen no, you know, you, you have you've seen uh, social media activity from Connor Ben. Why you, why you've seen it? Come on, guys, make your decision. Oh, okay, come on, guys, make your decision. We've submitted all the evidence that that you needed. When do I, you know, get to fight? And it's like that's where I have a problem because it's like if you're saying you just sent almost 300 pages of uh, pages of information to Bada in W. It's going to take some time to go through that shit, you know? It's not like this is the top-line priority. Um, so that that's my problem. It's like, hurry up, basically. Dude, we already gave you the facts. Hurry up. And, and it's real. It's just short-sighted. It's like, shut the fuck up. To me, it really comes off as like, really, dude? Oh, okay. Oh, he's, uh, he's uh, what was the word he used? He's, you know, he's. Uh, he's frustrated right now. Oh, well, we're frustrated because we don't have any of the information you're talking about. Why don't you release the shit? And I'm sure with the UCAD and what you know, whatever the hell was going on, we heard that he was in a, some sort of hearing meeting. He wants a hearing, but the, why don't you have a hearing? It just—I know there's some UCAD or, or, or there's just some stuff that he can't release right now. But don't be up there saying I'm frustrated. Hurry up, get get the ball moving. You know, it's like shit. We could have done this way earlier, and maybe we'd already have a decision if if you go by when he failed the first drug test. You know, and even the second one, and how long it took to actually you know postpone or cancel the thing. So to me, he's sitting there saying, "Hey, we gave you all the evidence. Well, dude, if it's 300 pages, calm the fuck down a little bit. You know what I mean? Like." There's a clear reason why you haven't gone out and done an interview where you go step by step by step. Here's the information of why I'm innocent. We've heard eggs. We've heard this. We've heard that. But the shit was in your system, dude. So why don't you explain to us? Now, maybe you can't legally do it. Okay, cool. Then shut the fuck up then. You could be frustrated. Well, we're frustrated as fans because you haven't, you know, you haven't given this information out. So don't act like, oh, dude, hurry up and get through this shit. I'm trying to fight. Okay, dude, but it's 300 pages. Anyway, uh, he said, I love, you know, obviously you mentioned Eubank Jr. He said, I love the fight between Gervonta Davis and Connor Ben. So that would be a major, like, that'd be a weird-ass fucking catchweight. And then Eubank's the weird-ass catch, catchweight. He said, why not, you know? Um, I'm sure he wouldn't mind uh, going to 147, Gervonta, or close to it. I think Chris Eubank Jr. is one of the biggest fights in boxing. Gervonta, another huge fight. I never thought about it, but now that he's seen him back and forth, uh, you know, on Twitter now, and now I'm pumped for it. You know, so it's kind of like, huh? <clears throat> just to kind of go a little further on Eddie Hearn, and, and um, not just on Eddie Hearn, of course, but he is saying Canelo 
um, you know, is going to take the fight more than likely in May. Um, more of a stay busy, tune-up type thing for him anyway. Ryder. Ryder's a good fighter. I don't want to call him a tune-up. But for Canelo, it is what it is. He wants to kind of test that injury he had. But um, now they're saying – if we're going to do the Bivol fight, more than likely the biggest debate is going to be at 168. Because on one side, they're saying that Eddie Hearn is also saying, well, Bivol has a chance to fight for Undisputed at 168 and at 175 with better BF. Um, this was posted a, 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 hand, a handful of days ago, maybe four or five days ago on Boxing Scene for Bivol and what his plan is doing, you know, what his side. He says, you know, I don't, I don't care about Canelo's plans, to be honest. I don't want to depend on his decision against who he wants to fight. I just want to fight. I want to fight for a belt. If I don't get unification for all the belts, give me another give me another fight. I want to be patient. Or yeah, I will be patient. One day I'll get to fight for all the belts. I want to fight for belts. Whoever has the belts, I want to fight. Just just one enough only for the belts. So he's basically saying, yeah, you know, I'm not going to sit there and and wait for this. I do want fights, um, which I think is a good call. It's not like I'm saying, oh, Canelo's not going to fight him, nothing like that. But it, it makes sense. There's no point. In, well, hopefully that happens. Maybe it won't. Maybe it will, but let's hope. Um, and then, you know, will he, will he still be willing to go to 168? I think, you know, he doesn't have a ton of leverage, but he did beat him. So he can always say, hey, man, he's trying to, you know, He's trying to get me to go down and wait, even though he, he – I will say this, though. He did say he could go down and wait and fight him. So he kind of left the door open there. Uh, but, yeah, to me it's kind of like, well, you know, I, it's just like not long ago he tweeted uh, – not today, but he tweeted, you know, I need to get my career – I need to get on with my career. When will there be an explanation? That's what uh, Connor Ben's saying. Someone just sent me this tweet. Uh, my name deserves cleaning. I can't keep waiting for your internal investigation. It's like, dude, it ha- they haven't even gotten it that long. What the fuck are you talking about? It's weird. Okay, some more news. IFL TV, Frank Warren has insisted that all four of the boxing sanctioned bodies are on board. So there will be no issues with mandatories that could prevent Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk for the undisputed, you know, heavyweight fight. That'd be pretty. That'd be pretty good. Um, there was a transgender thing that was talked about. Some people had a question for me, saying, you know, well, how do they? How are they going to work that out? I'm not going to get into deep from it, but there is a ruling. The WBC will employ a at birth ruling where the transgender fighter assigned male at birth will only be allowed to box the same, assigned a male at, okay? So at least there's some sort of uh, detail that's like, okay, cool. So it's not going to be a, a, a man that was a man at birth that's transitioning to a woman and a woman who was born a woman, and then he's transitioning. There's not going to be that fight, which we know there's issues there. Right, and that's kind of what I think people were getting at. Like, well, how are you going to legislate that? Well, I do know that much, so that that's all I'm really going to say about that. Um, as far as the tank stuff, um, you know, I talked about it last week. 
not going to really go too detailed into it. The only thing I didn't cover was something that hasn't been talked about yet or hadn't been talked about yet, and that is the the, the mother of his daughter uh, came out and said, you know, actually I took it too far. That didn't that didn't happen. I lied basically. This is her post. These past days have been hurtful, extremely exhausting to all parties. Um, the state of our relationship has been in fragile space. Gibraltar and I, fragile space, excuse me. Gibraltar and I were both at fault for an argument. While emotions were running high, I made an un- unnecessary call to the law enforcement while I was frantic. Gervonta um, did not harm me or my daughter. Now, I did mention that – I mentioned a couple things. More than likely – and I don't know this to be a fact, but more than likely there's some, some camera – I don't even know where she said it happened – but there is potential that there's cameras in the house and outside of the house. I'm just, just putting that out there. I'm not saying it was caught on camera, right? And then I also mentioned the um, the the guy who um, the nutritionist, and he claims he made it sound like he was there while the 911 call was made. So the just the combination of that. Could have. I don't know if it's factual. None of us do. But it could have made her, you know, retract. Sometimes this happens. It ma- I, I talked about it last week where it matters what state you're in. There are times where if a female calls the police, not in every state, okay, but if a female calls the police, you're going to go to jail. Like for a domestic abuse. She just calls it and says, hey, can you stop by? I want to talk, you know. I'm saying if she says, hey, uh, so-and-so just put his hands on me, you're going to jail. Not in every state, but some states it's like that. Um, so is that there, there has been plenty of documentation of that is a way to win an argument. It's an ugly way to win an argument. Uh, like I said, I'm also not going to victim shame because there's plenty of examples of a of a of a woman saying something and then retracting it or dropping charges. So I I'm not going to act like I know exactly what happened like a lot of people do. I'm not going to do that. Um but this was an example of why you know why I didn't rush to judgment. Um you know and because you just don't know. You don't know until there's more information. Okay? That, that's that's just how it goes. Um, Errol Spence, actually, April, XX, meaning, it, you know, he's fighting in April. Well, I don't know if that's a fact, but, you know, it does sound like that. Someone sent me a, a post from Instagram on Hector Garcia. Thanks for reminding me. Oh, this was a response to him. Uh, Devin Haney posting the video of them sparring. Thanks for reminding me of how easy it was to dominate you. You can't crack an egg or tear through a wet paper bag. Go lift some weights. I don't know if I'd say go lift some weights. Like that's going to make you a more powerful puncher. (laughs) Um, But see, that's why I don't like to get too deep in those sparring stuff because it kind of makes both sides look kind of shaky because Hector wasn't doing shit to Haney, really. 
But then on the flip side, what was Haney doing to Hector that, you know, what was worth releasing that film of that round? It was kind of weird. Uh, this is Sky Sports. Devin Haney and Vasil Lomachenko, according to Bob Arum, is now essentially made. We're looking for a site in the date that will be announced shortly. The fight will happen either before or right after Ramadan. And that, that, that rubs me the wrong way. Right after Ramadan? <laughs> like, unless Devin Haney, because remember Haney was saying, hey, dude, the only stipulation I had about this fight is it had to be before Ramadan and, and, and Bob Arum had come out and cleared that up, that it's going to happen. But if you go right after Ramadan, unless Haney has said, you know what, screw it, I'm not going to fast, that'd be fucked up. Because if you're going to do it after Ramadan, you should do it two months after Ramadan so he could have a, a full camp, a full strength. You don't have his camp dead in the middle of Ramadan. Now, that's just me talking. Like I said, I did – we heard – I read the side of, of Haney saying they're trying to push this fight to, you know, further in the year, and I wanted it before Ramadan. But then Bob came out and was the one who said it's going to happen before it, but now it's kind of back and forth. So it's, it, I don't know. It's kind of funky, dude. It's kind of making me go, huh? What, what, what's going on? We'll see, though. We'll see. Um Former undisputed featherweight champion Michaela Mayer is going to face. This is uh, it's not a done deal, but it sounds like uh, she's going to face in her next fight Christina uh, Lenartio. Is that how you said it? Either way, um, this is a good fight because you know I guess she's the mandatory to Chantel Cameron, but she holds a split decision over. Alicia Baumgartner, and that was a good fight. This would be a good fight, and I saw that fight. That was a good fight. So if that fight's happening, quality fight. So they're both in good fights, and hopefully they win and then fight each other. Uh, this is Warrior Boxing. Uh, Gilmore Rigondeau will be making his return to the sport February 4th at the Hialeah Park, uh, which is in Miami. More card details coming soon. So Rigo sounds like he's back. Yeah, we did hear a lot of people kind of sending me messages about how the media handled it. And, you know, Atura Gotti, how, you know, if you look at the difference between Chris Mannix of what he said about Gervonta and Atura Gotti, here's a little quote. Did Arturo Gotti, because he, he put Gotti in the Hall of Fame, did Arturo Gotti have – Hall of Fame talent, no, but the Hall of Fame should be for more than the most skilled. It should be, um, you know, about fighters who lifted the sport up and made it better. And for that, Scotty will get my vote. That, that's what he said about that. But he didn't really talk about the domestic violence stuff. And, and we know Lampley had a, was arrested for a domestic thing. And, and so it is kind of funny how this was reported. And I haven't heard too, too much talk. I know ESPN journalism, journalists, excuse me, journalism, journalists have been, you know, got the, got the choke on them. They, they, they shut them down when it comes to Dana White. And we actually got that on film, him slapping uh, his wife. Um, I, I mentioned this early. Spence has 120, 120 days now uh, to fight Boost. Boots, uh, Boots Ennis or vacate the IBF title. Um, 
By the way, Portland 503 host way. My switchboard's acting up right now, so that's why I haven't. Uh, I got a little time left in the show. I'm trying to see if I can get some help to fix it, but I'm not able to unmute you or do much with it. That's why I haven't uh, contacted just so you know. But I hope you had a good New Year's and whatnot. Uh, Gamboa was jailed in Cuba over a fatal car accident. The details are still being confirmed. This is from Boxing Scene, but several outlets are reporting that former uh, world champion Eureka Gamboa is currently jailed in connection to a fatal accident that occurred on the night of December 31st in Santiago de Cuba in Cuba. Um, the first news was reported by Baxio Cubano. So um, I don't know too much about this, but they, they were saying that it's alleged, allegedly ran over a pedestrian on a stretch of road with no lighting. Um, so whether, you know, uh, the source stated Gambo was not under the influence and the situation is just a, a tragic accident. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Something that he wants to make clear is that Gambo was not under the influence of alcohol or any illegal substance. So let's put that out there. Speaking of Bob Aram, Bob Aram says, uh, this is from Boxing Scene, uh, Aram expects Robisi Ramirez to fight for the vacant WBO title, which, as we know, the WBO, you know, that, that, that featherweight WBO or the, you know, 130 or whatever, but especially the featherweight, that that's turned, that just keeps turning into, you know, a top-ranked fighter. This is how this goes. But as we know, um, the current champion, Melno Navrete, uh, is officially moving up to super featherweight because he's got that fight with Liam. So, um, And he might fight Dogbo. It says Ramirez is ranked uh, at three by the WBO and with his title fight likely coming against the number one ranked Isaac Dogbo, uh, which you know is promoted by top rank as well. So there you have that. Uh, rest in peace to the uh, legendary Gleason trainer, uh, Hector Roca. Um, he trained Gotti, speaking of. Uh, I ran Barkley, Buddy McGirt, among others. Uh, Adamas, uh, right now, among others. Um, this is that Eddie Hearn quote for the Zone Boxing about Bivol. He says, when you're talking about chasing greatness, about legacy, Dimitri Bivol is the fighter who is all about that. He has a chance to rematch Canelo Alvarez for the Undisputed at 168 and then move up for the Undisputed at 175. Uh, this is Jake Donovan, boxing scene, of course. Uh, a year-long saga for Marlon Tapalas in the pursuit of of being a mandatory title shot at MJ Akhmadilev, uh, it, it basically they reached a deal before Tuesday's uh, purse bid. So he's finally got a fight, and he's fighting that dude. It's been a while. He's been trying to do it. Yada yada yada. Um. <laughs> oh, Virgil Ortiz in uh, Ortiz and Stanonius will take place March 18th in Dallas on zone. So, you know, like everybody else, looking forward to that one. Also, Bam Rodriguez and Christian Gonzalez. 
for the vacant WBO title fight. That'll, that's set for April 8th. This is Jake Donovan again. April 8th in San, San Antonio. We knew that was probably going to be the fight. And now that is for sure. Also, Jake Donovan said that he's, uh, he's expected a swarm of his own dates to be released in the coming days. He said this two days ago as the platform continues to finalize the first half of the, the year schedule. So, you know, we're hearing some uh, rumblings from zone that they're about to release. We know Showtime's got a lot of dates already locked in. It just hasn't been announced. And, you know, we're starting to hear more and more about some ESPN fights. Uh, not official, but, you know, it sounds like it. Um, let's see here. Oh, book. Boog Williams, who's a really good uh, OVAJ, at OVAJ, O-V-A-J-J-A-Y. Um, he actually warned us that Rashidi's probably going to fight Via. Uh, back in, it's marked just like a, a while ago now. But uh, he says he, he, he likes him. He's a rugged athletic puncher, very interesting fight versus Ellis, which I agree. Plus, he's with Samson. And that's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a good call. Because Samson, he's had a nice run here. Oh, and Jake Paul says he's offered a deal for Nate Diaz, a two-fight deal. One would be in boxing, and then six months later in MMA under the uh, PFL banner. Because I, I guess he signed a deal with them if he ever goes, or you know, when he goes into that too. Um, so that's kind of interesting. <laughs> but yeah, by the way, a lot of people thought. That that TBS basically slap league, like that was just weak. But Dana White slap league uh, was supposed to start January 18th, as reported earlier. It's delayed because you know he was caught slapping his wife. But from the sounds of it, um, that's gonna that's gonna go through. That it, that's not officially off or anything like that. I've seen some reports saying people saying that's off. That's like that, that the whole TBS thing scrapped now. I've heard that's not true. I've seen some reports that that that's not true. They just uh, tweaked it. Uh, but it, but it's going to happen. It's still going to happen. That, that, that slap league. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway. And like I said, we, we literally have seen um, that, ESPN, some some people at ESPN literally have been quieted as far as, you know, we haven't seen this big, I mean, it's on tape, for Christ's sakes, of him slapping his wife, and they kind of messing with her after that, and uh, yeah, I'm also hearing stuff about ProBellum, that, that they may be going out of business uh, a little late in the game as far as this uh, episode, so... I'm not going to say too much about that. But, um, you know, I, there's a couple people that, uh, what, what, what did he say? This is, we've been told not to write anything, basically, you know, in center area of social, on social media about Dan, the Dana White situation. And I understand why and have abided to that. Um, I just ask you all to understand that some of us at ESPN do not have a soft take on domestic violence. That's what one reporter said. It's like, sweet, well, why don't you say some shit then about it? Um, in the fanboy tweet of, or just a random boxing Twitter, 
Andre Ward versus Canelo Alvarez. And Ray Jackson said Canelo by KO. That uh, that's that's some cap, like the, the young bucks would say. But yeah, it is kind of funny how, um, you know, the Dana White thing is just getting completely uh, closed up. Closed up when it comes to ESPN. They're not they're not saying shit, man. Barely, barely saying shit. They they got tank stories still up, but yet there's barely anything about Dana. Anyway. Uh, you know, that's no surprise. Look at the amount that their deal is for, and that'll tell you why that's not happening. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Be back next week. Going to be back Tuesday. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that.